0: Welcome back to the Unjaded Podcast. This is your host, Alex Miller, here for episode two. In this episode, I sit down with my good friend, Carolyn Grant. I've known her for about eight years now. Carolyn is a life coach. Uh, She first started her work when she was working at a tennis academy, um, and she discovered that there are certain roadblocks that athletes had in their mind, and she really wanted to help them overcome any obstacles with confidence on the court to being a warrior uh, to overcoming big hurdles. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear this episode. We talk about how to make yourself irreplaceable at a company, We talk about the power of recognizing when you need to take a break, that no is not the end of the conversation, how to be persistent, and the power of consistency and patience. And then we talk about the most selfish thing someone with goals and aspirations like you, like me, can do. So can't wait for you guys to hear this episode. I actually recorded this a long time ago. And in May, I think I recorded this. My first started the podcast and I lost computers and I finally found it. So I'm so excited uh, for you guys to hear this episode. And also, I think that it's a good thing to mention that when you first start something you're always going to suck at it and embrace the suck is something that i've really embraced <laughs> over the last couple of years so it's cool to kind of cure myself a few months ago versus now but with that being said here we go you're too young
1: oh it's too high level
0: you shouldn't publish this yet this is the unjaded podcast so funny but I just world. for you know the a little bit I know we're gonna probably get into it here um right now but just a little background on me and you for people mm-hmm. listening yes. uh Carrie worked at the tennis academy I trained it in high school and I started playing when I was really young I was 16 and I wanted to accomplish this thing that was probably one of the hardest things to do which was play division one after only competing competitively for two years and you know mentally that's really, really hard. And percentage wise, I think I looked it up. It's like 0.06% chance I had of actually doing this. Mm -hmm. Um, but you're a life coach and you help and motivate and inspire, um, college athletes and with, you know, corporations and beyond. Mm -hmm. And so Carrie was one of those people for me that like really mentally trained me, uh, to do something that was extremely hard. So I'm very grateful for you and the relationship that we developed over the past couple of years. I think it's eight years now, eight or oh seven goodness. or eight years, which has been Tons, crazy. Guys. But thank you so much for being on the podcast. No, I'm honored. Like, thanks for having me. It means a lot. And I really feel
1: honored to have been a part of your life in that time frame. you know, where it takes a village, right? And you kind of all hands on deck when you're helping someone achieve their dreams, but you also inspire in return because you're passionate
0: so you make people
1: like me really want to do better for everyone because it's a it's a it's a community and it's a collaboration you know
0: right yes I absolutely love that I couldn't agree more well I want to hear I know you have an amazing story I want to share with other people so start out maybe you know a little bit about you where you're from your background how you got how you got to where you are now
1: Okay, well, I guess kind of overall, I would just say like to describe myself, I'm kind of the type of girl who like, never wants to stop learning, like I'm kind of greedy about it. And I think I have been (laughs) forever. Um, And it's really helped me out without even realizing it later in life. But I'm always kind of find ways kind of to serve others better, but because it also fulfills me at the same time, and it helps me kind of just get a better understanding. I think at a young age, I realized like, everyone is so different. So if I can pay attention to see that I can be like, my mom is different, my sister is different. They all react differently to the same situation, whether it's like spilled milk, you know, or anything. And so I would realize like, hold on, why is she angry? But she's not angry, but she's this way. And I think what I started learning is kind of being curious, innately curious to understand a little bit about how people are. And then it helps you learn how to make them happier or help to help them understand something when you're trying to explain your side or you know just kind of realizing we're not all cookie cutter the same right kind of already was something that like just woke me up at a young age but overall I would say like I'm kind of an optimistic realist like I really (laughs) have a sunny disposition but it's more about in a realistic way it's more kind of like that can-do attitude of it's okay if you you will be a solution or things will work out. They just might not work out the way we planned, but it's Mm -hmm. also not the end of the world. There's this in-between zone, you know? And that's why I say it's like optimistic realist because the workout factor, it will come. That's the, that part is fine. It's how, and are we going to like the steps we have to take? Maybe not. Yeah. I love that. We're going to get to wherever we're going. It just depends on how, and if we're not too stubborn, we might be able to get there sooner if we're not kicking and screaming along the way. <laughs> so I'm like, I yep. love that <laughs> optimism
0: is so powerful. I think. Did yeah, you Think. Yeah. Did you learn that from you know your upbringing or someone in your family and anything you went through when you were younger? I know you played yeah. tennis in college.
1: Yeah. So I think for me it was well being born and raised in South Africa firstly, and then I was recruited to D1 college at 17, which was like. This is, this is like winning the lottery 5,000 times in your life when you're from like a developing third world country and someone says, you know what, you're like, could, you're good enough, your work that you've done your whole life is good enough to make you move to like the promised land in a way kind of thing like America or Europe or a place where it's like you can't even imagine it, you know, mm-hmm. and have an opportunity to literally change the future of your family, to lay a legacy that no one else could have done because – no one can give this to you unless an opportunity comes. But at the same time, having to be brave enough to take it, because you could have also stayed home and stayed in your comfort zone.
0: Totally. You know? Yeah.
1: And then, now, what yeah, was just, that like
0: for you when you were 17?
1: It was it was amazing. It was like, I was, it's, it's actually funny, because I had more reasons to stay than to go. Like, I the one girl who would have been like, never left South Africa. Like, <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm going to have a farm here. I'm going to do all the things. I'm going to be the president of my country. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know. But at the same time, it's like, you can always be home, but you can't always be somewhere where you could learn things that you could never buy or read in a book. And if you're given an opportunity, it wouldn't be given to you for no reason. So maybe there's greater things waiting for you if you can just be like, I'm just going to put have to put fear aside and go for it. And lucky enough, I have parents who support you taking this and actually encouraging it, being like, go for it. You can always come home, but you can't always go and try your luck in the big wide world,
0: you know? Right. Oh, I it's absolutely just, love that.
1: Yeah. It's those big moments where you kind of just have to like, it's so much easier to stay home and stay safe and go where all your friends go, but leave everyone and go ahead. And, you know, it's yeah. like, but it, teach, it taught me immediately. And it teaches you just like when you see others do it, like, that's why it's, if you were to look at people in history books, if this person didn't get on a ship and try to discover a place, we wouldn't have a country. If that person didn't take a chance, if this person didn't go and fight for what he believed in, you know, so everyone has totally, you know, we actually have really good examples in history of all of this.
0: Totally. And so when you got, where did you, where did you play in college again? I played for San Jose state in California.
1: And um,
0: so you're already in the bit in the Bay area and the Silicon Valley where everything was happening. What was that like? Was it a little bit of a culture shock?
1: Yeah, it was a really big culture shock, but I was pretty blessed with, um, just having kind of the support system of a few people that you know that already live here, but really also um, put into an international dorm, the International House in San Jose, if anybody knows, shout out to that. What it is basically is a lot of international students, whether they're exchange students or not, plus some Americans living in like this really cool old mansion that can house like 70 students, but together you're all figuring it out because you're all alone. And you're yeah. all there. So you have to have your guard down. You have to be open and you have to be willing, you know, to put yourself out there, greet people, talk to strangers. But that was like the best gift is that. And then just orientation at school and knowing people are there to help you. You don't feel alone. Mm-hmm. It's a game yeah. changer for your confidence. Wow. Were there yeah. any
0: days where you were like, man, I don't think I can do this?
1: Um, there were there were days where it was like, this is a lot of pressure because You feel like you're not just here, like your parents paid all this money, tried to do sacrifice so much to get you to a country, and you can't fail. Like you can't like it's not even that you're doing it for you. And and at a young age too, it's like we're not we're not really always aware is what am I doing for me? What am I doing for the honor of others or expectations and things? So it was constantly more just like if I mess up, how will my parents feel? Like I can't disappoint my parents or how many people worked hard to get me the paperwork, to translate the documents, to get me a visa, just to mess up? I can't mess up, you know. So those kind of things were, you know, you kind of just questioning yourself along the way, but also trying to stay motivated because you feel like you have a bigger picture. But yeah, it was a culture yeah. shock. The food is different. The you know, I mean, we didn't even have <laughs> Wi-Fi when I came here. My first laptop was like, this is the laptop. Like I got it like at the airport as a gift, and I was like wow, I'll figure out how to work this thing (laughs) when I get to America, you know?
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. So dealing with an unbelievably heavy (laughs) amount of pressure. So it seems like you operated really well under that pressure.
1: Yeah. I think I kind of had like that attitude of like, you're here now, so let's figure it out and let's go. And then like, yeah I don't know I think it's also my culture you know in South Africa it's not like the children we're always raised to have a certain degree of responsibility at a younger age we're Mm -hmm. still kids but like we're we we are responsible for each other you're even in school like we have head girls and we have prefects even in 13 year olds who are like literally in charge of a lot more than probably what you would think you could put children in charge of other children you know and um they're just like a leadership factor and like a survival factor too. just living in Africa, understanding poverty, understanding what is, what it is to have less than nothing or, and you see people are poor and homeless, but they're still smiling. Like there's a different kind of culture that you come from. So when you come to America, you're like, excuse me, I do not have time or whatever to be ungrateful right now because I, it's just figure it out, ask for help. Like failure is not an option. Plus you're going to miss out on the fun. Like you're only here Mm. for four years.
0: Yeah. Figure
1: it out. Like, you know, kind of thing. I
0: love that. It's so true. It's It's a battle with yourself. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. We complain about things, you know, so easy in America because we didn't, we grew up in a very, very, very first world developed country, especially in the Bay Area. Uh, it's which seems like a country in itself. Like it we're does. so <laughs> different than the rest, of, the rest of America, which yeah. we're so privileged and so like there's so much to be grateful for. And so I love that perspective. In so after you, uh, you know, graduated from San Jose State, what did you decide to do? What was like your next step after you kind of were like, hey, I'm no longer a college tennis player. What do I do now?
1: Right. So what I did was in college, um, I a couple of things that happened too. I like had gotten injured. I had to have shoulder surgery. Um, and so like the last few years, I had to have other jobs too. So I was working on campus because that's, you're an international student. You can't work off campus. Um, so I was working in like a lab and then I was teaching English sometimes and I was doing all these things and I was just kind of putting my foot everywhere. But what I also did was I had started as a psychology major and I really loved people in psychology. And then I had evolved it to realizing I didn't want to be a practicing psychologist. So then I transferred over to, communications and learning like international communication, industrial communications, intercultural. And so I knew that I wanted to be involved in a company where I could make kind of an impact, but I didn't know what I wanted to study. So I just did a lot of different jobs as much as I could so that I had like a full resume when I graduated. Um, And then I was uh, working actually that summer for my, for the same company that I worked for um for human tennis academy had just started massive summer camps and they were amazing and i was like oh my gosh all these kids and all of them like you're teaching tennis because my father has a tennis academy in south africa was kind of groomed into that and understanding the industry so well not just as an athlete but watching him as a businessman the office is on our property at home so i've seen him every day grinding phone calls I see him doing his admin. I see him coaching, you know, so I've, I've watched and learned and been involved in like building a tennis company throughout my childhood without realizing it. You're subconsciously being groomed to do something. Totally. So when yeah. I came on board, I was like, this is so natural to me. And like, then I would talk to kids and they'd ask questions like, oh my gosh, you just graduated college. What's it like? And you're like, wow, like you could help these people so much. And then also understanding the business of it, it kind of evolved into working for my aunt. So I had worked for other places, um, other companies right out of college. But once I had helped with the summer camps and realized like the need that was there to, cause her business was so small yet exploding so fast, but we had to put in all these infrastructure and she is so talented and on court seven days a week. I was like, I can help with the other things because I've literally witnessed another business being built from scratch. Plus I've interned at like Johnson and Johnson and all these companies, big scale corporate companies and understand the small business. So I felt like I could contribute, you know, and Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, let me just get involved and just see, you know, because this is kind of like, was it always meant to be like you're in tennis? You love helping people. You're a D one athlete. You can actually do so much and you can help build an empire in a way or like in Build someone's legacy because it's her legacy, her name, and she's just starting. So you could help her build it into whatever she wants, her vision. Totally. Um, So that's kind of where I was like, okay, after that summer of helping in the camps, I was like, okay, I'm just going to stop everything and go all hands on deck. Let's make this an academy that can get people scholarships, that can offer people with disadvantages tennis as an opportunity to change their lives. Like, let's do a bigger thing than just one person and now it's grown into a huge company um, that we're so proud of and we've you know also provided jobs for so many other college athletes or coaches and Mm -hmm. you know but you learn the hard way which is almost a blessing too like yeah you're not you're not walking into a huge infrastructure you're building it along the way you're writing the manuals as you go right and I absolutely
0: love that I love, I have always told people they want the big company when they come out of college because they want the name, but yeah. you don't learn and you don't necessarily learn as much you don't. because you start so far down. Yeah. It takes so much longer to have more responsibility. But if you dive into a small startup like you like you yeah. did or yeah. a small company, you go so hands on. And If you believe in the mission statement just as much as the founder, yeah. then it you almost feel it. like you know, you, you own the company as well and you have so much more of an impact. And so I absolutely love that you had that mindset. Yeah. And
1: it was like, probably like, you know, you'd be working so much harder than you would if you were just necessarily going into one, like being one of 20 people who are all just, you know, designing or doing something specific, but have a huge team. Mm -hmm. Like you sit in a small company, you work harder, but it's like, I felt like I was getting my MBA at the same time. Because it's right. like you're involved in accounting and legal and HR and you're helping write manuals and, and, and like, which is incredible at a young age to have that opportunity to yeah, literally learn Any, how to build a company essentially.
0: Right. You learn so, I, I believe you learn so much more by yeah. going into a small company, especially right out of college, because like you said, you learn, you get your hands in all these different things and you have so much responsibility. So you're almost more motivated to like make it work. Oh yeah. And I like, you put for sure. the pressure on. Yeah. I absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely love that. Uh, so you you started at Kim Grant Tennis Academy. Um, what made you kind of want to take take another step and say I want to be a certified life coach?
1: So for me, it was pretty much like it sounds weird, but honestly, I was feel like I was doing it anyway. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> right. people are knocking on your door, and you're at that point. I was like helping with marketing and all these things, and eventually, I became assistant director. But it was just like every minute someone's coming. And then the parents, and I think it's just, it is, it's because of experience, honestly, it is. And it's because of of all the years of being an athlete helps when you're in the business. You're not just someone who started working. You were that kid. You understand how he's feeling. So what started as parents would come to me and be like, you got to help me. I need to get through to my kid. Like you, they're listening to you or they're listening to the coaches, but I can't get them to communicate with me or whatever. And then it would go... Um, into other things, people would be like, well, as a family, can you help us communicate better? You know, before I knew it, I had a rotating door of people coming to see me. And then, of course, you still you start becoming a bigger leader in your company and your staff come and they want to talk about things. Or you see yourself mediating issues and resolving them really well. And you're like, wow, I can actually contribute. Um, But I actually had two psychologists um, come to me and say, you need to be a life coach. Like, what are you doing? Go do it now. What are you doing? Like you are, we want to send clients to you. Let's go. Cause they have people who don't need a psychologist. They just Mm -hmm. need a life coach.
0: And what's the difference between the two?
1: Essentially, um, first and foremost, it's about honestly, the degree and qualification and the study of psychology on such an extensive deep level. Um, You know, you're essentially like a doctor of the mind and mentality and mindset and um, mental health, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. where a life coach is somebody whose job is not necessarily, and, and sorry, sorry, psychologist will actually really tell you what to do, really be able to give you those tools on, on a biological, psychological, chemical level. And that's when a psychiatrist even comes into play, when it comes to medication and all those things. So psychologists and psychiatrists are essentially in the doctor world of us. However, a life coach is really somebody who needs to be almost like a, I always say a professional question asker. So our job as life coaches really is not to tell you what to do. Our job is to help you know, discover the answers that are already within you and use those to improve your life.
0: Ooh, I love that. I think I heard, I heard, um, what my sister-in-law is a life coach and she once told me that, um, psychologists and therapists they're essentially like what you said. They're like more, psychologists, m- way more biological scale. Mm-hmm. The difference between a therapist and a life coach is a therapist helps you discover triggers of stuff that happened in your past, yes. as if a life coach is someone who really focuses on the fo- like your goals and your aspirations and how you want to accomplish how you're like how you're going to accomplish what you want. Yeah, accomplish. it's like
1: today and the future kind of thing. Yes, yeah.
0: Oh, I absolutely and love that. It's true. And people
1: Sorry. don't need anything wrong with It's not like there's wrong with you as in medically wrong with you. It's mm-hmm. all of us live in a high stress world. We all have things or we all just have blocks and bad habits. And, you know, that's why it's like a life coach is like your unbiased best friend who really mm-hmm. is has no agenda. But to help you discover what's already in you, you know.
0: Um, Ooh, okay.
1: And it's the, the thing is this. I can tell you how I lose weight. For example, if weight is your question that you're going to come and see me about. And I can tell you everything that worked for me. But in Alex, there is a thing that she knows, her body knows what it is that will make her actually motivated to change something or make her see her body with loving eyes instead of with disdainful eyes. So I have to help you discover the answer in you and therefore you will be more successful because it's your answer, not my answer for the solution.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, well, I react way better to life coaches than I have a life coach, not a therapist, just because I believe in that uh, practice a lot. And it just works with me, right? Like, it's not and like what you're saying. It's not for everyone. It's no. like, what is the goal of what you want to get out of it? So what do you think, you know, you're you're being a life coach for all these young athletes, and quite frankly, like very elite athletes, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, on like a internationally ranked scale what do you think the biggest commonality you see with young young athletes that come to you for help
1: um a lot of it is and I think it's sometimes it is when we're in the, when we're young it's just about experience and a different degree of maturity it's like emotional maturity a lot of us it is about still getting to know yourself as a person who you are Yet, you have to be a full blown like warrior on a sports field. And so, constant battle and tug of war between like, I know what I want, I wanna be great, but I'm still a teenager and I, or I'm still young and I want a boyfriend, or I'm still worried what my parents think, but I'm trying mm-hmm. to become an Olympic athlete, but I'm still worried what my parents' opinion is about the workout. You know what I mean? Like, the constant tug of war. So, having them understand and clarify that in certain worlds, this is your job. Being an athlete is your job. Your mom Mm -hmm. and dad, your boyfriend, whoever else in your world, they're not going to be involved. You wouldn't call them if you were in the office to make a decision. You would speak to your supervisor, your team, your office people in your job. So Mm -hmm. then those are the professionals that you consult with regards to your job. And, and your personal life is your personal life. So if I worked at Apple, I'm not going to call my mom to help me figure out something, right? And so right. I have to treat my, my athleticism because that is my full-time job now. That is what I'm doing. I speak to my coach. I speak to my fitness trainer. I speak to the people who are in my work team. And keeping the others, it, as much as you love them, unfortunately, their opinion is second to the professionals in your world. And those are your, who you consult, your advisors. Right. Um, and so a lot of athletes struggle, especially when you're going straight out of high school or straight out of college into that. You haven't even had an apartment by yourself yet. You haven't even done those things, but now you have to be this full-blown athlete. And you have to ask them for money to help you support this, but you also mm-hmm. have to tell them, I'm sorry, I can't trust your opinion on my fitness regime because I have to ask a yeah. professional fitness trainer first. So there's a struggle yeah. with that. And, of course, balance, okay. you know.
0: Do I, yeah. am I
1: allowed to have a personal life if I'm trying to be a world-class athlete?
0: Yeah. And not that it's the sacrifice, right? Yeah. And not many people want to make that sacrifice. You, right. know, you don't know it if it's, if it's, you know, all you've ever known was making that sacrifice. Yeah. It's yeah, very true. So, so true.
1: Yeah. So We're just helping everyone, you, you know, kind of customize their life and they don't have to fit into a box. What, mm-hmm. what is okay for each person is very different, but helping them kind of define it gives you peace of mind, you know? Yeah.
0: Totally. And so when you entered the industry at first, and you, you know, when you started at the tennis academy, and you're helping these athletes, um, what did you, you know, how did you kind of perceive, you know, helping young athletes? And what was your perception of it back then? And how has it changed till now? Till now?
1: Til now. Um, well, the biggest thing I think with the industry in general, especially, I would say, like the sports industry, and even the when we first started obviously it was a smaller company but i had also been exposed to a a lot of big companies i worked like i said for johnson johnson for example or for companies that are huge i kind of understood that anyone who starts in an industry at that time um kind of it was just different even if it was 10 years ago or five years ago the the one thing i noticed now is like you get a cheat sheet now because of social media and because of the speed That production and turnover and everything is happening is now if I'm starting in the industry, um, I would have an insider information, uh, access to inside information of all our competition. And my bosses didn't have that when they first started in the industry. So it's Mm -hmm. like access to knowledge of your competition and access to all of that now because everyone's putting it out there. Like if I said Tennis right. Academies, I can know what every academy is doing now. I can know how many people are throwing tournaments, how many people are, are hiring and recruiting new staff, who relaunched their websites, all at the click of a button. I don't have to even try and do any research. So I could, I could um, contribute to my bosses because I was more con- like more just, what's the word, like versed in the right. modern quick technology access of data. Um, But the one thing I did notice that hasn't really changed, and that's even with like boards that I've served on or um, other business partnerships that we've done and affiliations that we've done throughout the years, is that like the core values for most have not changed. And I don't think they necessarily will. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is like you need to pay attention. Like if I was going to give someone advice, it would be like you need to pay attention to Um, what the people in leadership are complaining about and saying like, and it hasn't changed. Like being early and being on time is never going to be a bad thing
0: ever. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And it's funny how many people I've hired who I have to remind them, I'm sorry if you can't be on time, even if you're a rock star, there's just, this is the culture that we work in. This is our environment. This is a respect thing, you know? Yeah. But like, If I was coming in right now, I would say, listen to everything your bosses complain about and be the opposite. If they say, I can't stand it, how messy those kids at the the intern group, there's like 10 desks of interns and look how messy their desks are always filled with candy wrappers and whatever. It doesn't (laughs) matter if those interns just broke a record. I need to listen (laughs) to what my boss is complaining about when he's walking the halls or when he's just in passing. Be like, oh, can you just take this, please? I can't stand it. I will never be that person. I will be the opposite. And it will give you an edge because you represent low stress and you represent like that you're fitting in to the person that they imagine they can trust with you on the basic stuff.
0: Yeah, exactly. I totally agree with that statement. And and also, in addition, when you listen to them complain about something, that's also an opportunity for you to find the solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and they're like, wow, I hate that this is this computer is so slow or yeah. while wow, I hate that this, you know, this, this desk always has a stack of papers on it. Like that's mm-hmm. an opportunity for you to find a solution. So exactly. that was a great, great, great point. I and and that, that, that
1: will never change in time, you know, and the thing right. is, don't tell them you're going to do it just do it. And then let them be like, wow, who fixed this table? Oh, Alex did two weeks ago. It's cool. You know, like the thing is you don't need the credit because you're not here for the short term. You're here for the long term and you're Mm -hmm. laying your own foundation of value of who you are, no matter how many competitive people you have in your uh, team that all have your same job
0: description. Mm -hmm. It's like
1: my, my director, Kim Grant says it best. She's like, be the exception. And we say it in the Tennis Academy, you know it, we all know it, but that's going to be the
0: title of this podcast. I just, I just, Duh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I it's everything. It. Yes.
1: Yes. Everything. And that can I be the opposite, too that. be the exception in the way you react. Everyone else freaks out. You stay calm. There's different yeah. ways that you can do this.
0: Yes. So, so true. Yeah. And um, you brought up some great points there. And I love the fact that, you know, just do it. Don't talk, just do it. Like, don't talk about things that you're going to do. Just, just yeah. do it because that speaks are really so everything. Much, everything. Yeah. Yes. And speak so much more about you when you don't have to tell people what you've done. And you don't need you the glory. Do it. You don't need the
1: glory. Yes. It can come to you because it, you, people can't not notice eventually. Mm-hmm. We have no patience. Yeah. And that's one thing that is more now than then issue is we mm-hmm. don't have patience. And if we can yeah. learn to just trust the process a little bit, and if we can be consistent, if you ask me of the people I interview and hire, what is one of the most valuable qualities is not that he's a rock star genius. Is, is he consistent? Is she consistent? Mm-hmm. Can I trust it? Then? And that's the thing. If you consistently do listen and adjust, and don't ask for any glory, you're going to be yeah. the first one they trust when there's a real crisis, or the first person who's going to come in their head when they think, "Who can I rely on right now?" Right, and that's where and your life changes in business.
0: So so true. And even just thinking about my example, like with your company, you know, because I wasn't, I I worked for Kim Grant Tennis Academy as mm-hmm. well. But even when I was a student mm-hmm. there, like I was probably the like the worst person in that elite group in like the high school elite. Um, tennis academy you know, class. I was probably one of the worst people, but I was yeah, one of the hardest that's the thing.
1: It really is. And you see it with artists all the yeah. time. Like the most talented guy is not necessarily the guy who's going to work for George Lucas or for Disney. It's yeah. not that. It's the guy who's going to put yeah. in the hours and the consistency. And that's, it's really a game changer. It's not just about talent. Really. It has to match the hard work.
0: Right. And it is it is pretty crazy what opportunities you get, not based on your talent, but based off yeah, your work ethic, ethic. Is, is gold. It really is. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Just mind blowing <laughs> points. It's just it's so great. It makes me so happy. A few more questions for you. I know that, you know, we were talking about it a little bit, but especially in this year, because I you are definitely someone who I know, like sets goals and tries to grow you know, more and more every single year, what's, you know, in some ways, how have you grown over the course of the last year?
1: I feel like the last year has been like my biggest growing year, which is kind of crazy. Really? Yeah. it's like you're 10 years in to something and now you're like having your, it's different growth. I think it's growth with wisdom now, you know, before you're growing okay. to evolve, to keep up and everything. And now it's like, yeah. you're, you're just a different person, like from 25 to 35 it's a huge leap. It's a huge Mm -hmm. leap. And even though you might've been like kicking ass or doing all these incredible things that people from the outside are like, wow, checked off all these things off the list. But now it's a different Mm -hmm. kind of growth. Now it's a growth of like, okay, I understand who I am. I understand my flaws really well. Obviously more might come in the future, but this is who it is today. But also you've also seen the repercussions of bad choices. Like Mm -hmm. I overworked myself for so many years in some ways that I got so that I actually got sick, you know, and stress can kill you, for example. And I had to be like, hold on, I need to figure this out. I, I, I have a lot more work to do. So I can't just keep burning myself out in some ways or as a life. It's pacing yourself. Exactly. And even as a life coach, you learn so much from the people you work for. I've never stopped studying and taking courses and classes because I know that I have more to offer, but I also have to be constantly educating myself because the world's problems, our people's problems aren't going to just, they're not with like a one band-aid fixes everything. It's custom. So you need more tools. Mm-hmm. You need more knowledge so that you can contribute more and make a bigger impact. But um, from yeah. a business thing, especially from someone like the audience we're speaking to, where they'd be starting in a company, but say after one year or two years, you start getting a little more, Responsibility or things like this, you really need to learn the importance of a couple of things. Like, one thing, even in the workplace, is like communicating your needs. I think you and I were talking about this the other day, but when it comes to consistency, one thing is hard. Like, your puppy might have passed away. Something bad could have happened at home, right? And we're in an industry where it's like, you don't talk about your problems in the office, period. And that's fine. Mm -hmm. A lot of times, you know, there are companies who are like, as a leader, I also want to check in, but it depends on the leader you're working for as to whether or not they allow you to be like, how are you? How's your day? Some people like "Uh -uh." you walk in the door, we get the going. Every minute is money, different, different jobs Mm -hmm. are different, but I think you're serving yourself and you're serving others. And I have to learn this because I don't like, I've just always been protecting others and never considering to take care of me in a workplace is walking in sometimes and being like, guys, I'm serving my team and myself by saying the following sentence is, guys, you just need to know, you know, something, even if you can't talk about it, you can just say, guys, something kind of bad happened in my personal life. Everything's okay. But I just want to give you a heads up. I'm a little low energy today, but I'm here. I'm here for you. But please don't think it's anything to do with you. I'm working through it and I'm going to be fine. But if they see you have a moment or if they see a flicker, they're going to lose confidence because they're going to think. What did I do to make Carolyn angry? Or she doesn't like me. It's not that, but if you can tell them, or even if it's you're an assistant to someone, you have to tell your boss if something bad happened and you might like it can hit you. You are still human beings, but Mm -hmm. give the courtesy to say it up front. And you get into the office and you can do your day. But then if there's something off, no one's going to care. They're going to be like, cool. Let her have a minute. She went stepped out to get some fresh air. She'll be fine because she told us she'll be fine. Otherwise Mm -hmm. you're perceived as like erratic, unprofessional, selfish, all these things, (laughs) you know?
0: Why do you think it's so hard for people to speak up about things that are bothering them?
1: Um, It's because it's a very big risk. I think the thing is one, one thing we can do better as, as leaders too, I think is being consistent with our team in the way we talk to them. A lot of times it's, it's a case of, you don't know who you're going to get. Sometimes you might not know how my boss is going to react And then that scares people away from ever actually speaking out because I could get a warning letter or I could get a sympathy card that day and I'm not sure which one I'm going to get. So Mm -hmm. I'm nervous. I think people um, hold back, you know. But at the same time, culturally, I think we've been trained to kind of lie a lot to avoid repercussions, you know. So Mm -hmm. it's like, unfortunately, we, we, we lie to get out of trouble. It's kind of become a culture. Of the world. Yeah. It's a
0: knee jerk reaction of, I'm fine, it's fine. I'm fine, yeah. I'm
1: fine. Or it's like, why were you late? You know, and and, and I would say that too. It's like, dog
0: this, ate my homework, exactly, right? <laughs>
1: tell me, literally, if you message me sincerely, like, I'm so freaking sorry. I literally did not plug my phone in and it died. And there is no excuse. That is why I'm late. Because I'm dumb, not dumb, but like, you know, like, I'm here. Yeah, it's and, like and, it's and,
0: admitting you messed right. up. It's admitting you messed up. And I think that's really hard yeah. too. It's an ego thing. Right
1: but right. instead you're yeah. going to lie and you're going to say my tire blew out of my car and I'm on the side of the road and I'm sorry, I'll get there soon. I'm called AAA. a, but really you're not, you're just late because you were silly and you mm-hmm. forgot, but you know what's going to happen next week. Your tire is going to blow for real and you're going to be on the side of the road. And yeah. then what's going to happen. <laughs> then you might get fired because you've lied to your company multiple times, you know? Right. So it's kind totally. of like we have to choose, but I understand it's a finesse factor because we have to know our boss. We yeah. have to know our, our audience, you know? But over the last Mm -hmm. year, I've learned like just the value of being aware of what you need as a person. And like if you go on a trip or something, you know, a silly tip, like try and come back a day early just so you can give yourself a chance to recover so you're your best self at work when you get back yeah little things like that
0: we don't give ourselves we don't give ourselves that opportunity to relax and recruit right and we don't especially evaluate when you're an athlete your entire life yeah you're like if i relax and I recruit, i know mm-hmm. i you know i take this time to like focus on me or my body yeah. and i give myself a break i'm not working hard right. it's like this mentality it's uh-huh. really hard to break we always
1: feel guilty too yeah. always which is incredible because the um like i feel bad just watching tv or reading a book because i should 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 be doing this should be doing that so what yeah. I've done to combat that is I've scheduled and I've made my um, like my team do it. And, and my um, a lot of my life coaching clients do it too. like schedule rest. So it's not that you're being lazy and, because this is what we have, like whether it's society or people who raised us or our environment that's put us like you're lazy. If you're lying on the couch watching shows, you're lazy mm-hmm. if you're taking a nap in the middle of the afternoon. You should be, should be, should be. We're shooting all over ourselves as we like to really. It's just a thing that I can't get over my head because it's true. <laughs> but schedule rest. Yeah. Schedule a meditation. Schedule the things because then if you commit, if you can commit to your work meetings, you need to make a meeting with yourself
0: to take a nap. But if put it in your yeah, schedule. And you're, and you're way more present. Yeah. And also, if you can take a break, you come back stronger. Yeah. But, you know, it's better than would you want to be what, burnt out working for 11 hours a day or work for four hours a day really, really hard, yeah. take a two-hour break, and then work again. Exactly,
1: and produce, produce. Because yeah. how many times, I'm sure everyone's had those days where you sit in front of your desk and you're like, how did, the, how did I not do anything today? But you did <laughs> because your mind was so slow and distracted that you couldn't yeah. actually just focus long enough to write that contract or complete that project. And then you have mm-hmm. to use adrenaline and pressure to help you finish it because now your deadline is okay. only two hours out. But you actually yeah. have six hours to finish this thing.
0: You know, <laughs> it's so true. I was up working till 11, 11 p.m. last night. And then I woke up at six o'clock today to work out before I could work because I didn't have time yesterday. And I all today I was like, you know what? I need to take an I should just take a, an hour or twenty-minute nap just so I can, you know, come back more energized. And I didn't do it for the entire day. Right? <laughs> I was like, wow, I should have taken that nap. <laughs> I
1: know, I know. It's funny. It's almost like we have to pretend those are other people, because if it was a commitment to you know, take a nap, other people. and and yeah. and someone else's name is attached to it. You you'd force it. You know, you'd make it a yeah. priority. It oh, is our, our selflessness so, so is also our like downfall all the time.
0: Yeah, you yeah, know? it's so true. And I honestly do think maybe it's an an American mentality because like the only time I've taken off vacation days this entire year was to travel to do other things that I work for like to public speak somewhere else. Mm. And I took my vacation days of that. To work. And my again. boyfriend always makes fun. He always makes fun of me. And he goes, you're so American. And I'm like, I'm, a, I'm just a hard worker. <laughs> and he goes, no, it's just like, you shouldn't take your vacation days to go do more work. You should take your vacation days to actually relax and, and like focus your on life yourself for a and breathe.
1: Yeah. It's so <laughs> yeah. true. I know. And that's yeah. the thing, we are always a work in progress. Um, Mm -hmm. and as long as we keep figuring it out and trying then that's that's the best but that's also I feel like what makes you like a good life coach a good business person it's like trial and error but it's you're not going to tell people things that you wouldn't do for yourself or you're not going to test it first to see if it works before you advise someone else you know Mm -hmm. Um, and that's okay (laughs) and that's the way it should be you know we can't just read it in a book and preach it we have to live it first and Yeah, totally makes you understand people because it's a struggle for everyone. No one is immune. Yeah, yeah,
0: man. So a few more questions, just because I don't want to take up too much of your time. But when in this podcast, I used to, you know, people used to give me advice. You've obviously given me amazing advice. But a lot of the times, people would say, you know, one thing you gotta do is just believe in yourself. Mm. And I was like, what does that mean? I was like, everyone is saying this. It's such a common phrase we we kind of throw around. Mm -hmm. Just believe in yourself. Just believe in yourself. But my question for you is what does believing in yourself actually mean to you?
1: That's like the most
0: brilliant question,
1: honestly. (laughs) For me, it would be. hmm, I think to believe in myself means a couple of things. It's a, it means I trust myself to be brave enough to apologize and own my mistakes. And Mm -hmm. I would say like wise enough to listen Even when I think I know the answer, what else? Okay. I would say calm enough to think before I retaliate or like attack back
0: because words cannot be unsaid. That's very true.
1: So like, yeah, that's a big one. And then I would say kind enough to allow someone else to save face or not be humiliated, even though I may have the power to expose them. Those are the main oh, ones I've learned, really. I think, in business, especially.
0: I love that. But that means I, I believe be in like, myself that's enough. That's the best answer I've gotten. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's, it's so true. It's not, you know, being able to admit that you're flawed and you're human Mm -hmm. and you make mistakes. It's a very, um, it's a very Simon Sinek leadership technology, leadership technique, right? Like being able to say, you know, I'm sorry. I have empathy. I have sympathy. And that makes you so much more of a leader. If you admit that you are flawed and it makes you relatable as well. Yeah. Yeah, You're not like some person who never makes mistakes and it encourages other people to be honest when you're honest with yourself. It actually builds trust
1: with everyone around you.
0: Totally. Yeah. My last question for you is, so in this podcast, obviously, I want to talk about mindset, like I'd mentioned before, mm-hmm. and we definitely hit on a lot of it. And, you know, I think that you, like other people I interview on this podcast, have such a different mentality than normal people. Um, right? That's why I call you guys the unjaded type of people. They're, it's just a different mentality. And we sometimes think that it's common, but it's really not common. It's really rare mm-hmm. to have this type of mentality. And so my question for you, my last question for you, is if you had to think about all the negative things that people have maybe said to you over the years, because one thing I think about you is that you're very resilient and you did something that was very hard to do, but and you probably got told all the time, you can't do it, you can't do it. But right. beyond that, you just kind of pushed forward and you just kept on doing it. And so if you had to think about those things that people have said to you over the years what would you tell yourself now that you didn't know back then
1: yeah that's another good one really good one um yeah I think the biggest thing I would tell myself and it's kind of what I still tell myself today I think because I've always been almost like in a position where I'm like either the boss of some people much older than me or served on a board where I'm like in my twenties and the next age group is in their fifties and sixties, you know? So you always get these comments. Sometimes they're not even meant to hurt. Other times it's like you're trying to reprimand someone and they're like, shut up little girl. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing to remember is that unless you know, you did something to cause this hurt people, hurt people, damaged people, damage people. That's why I always keep reminding myself, like their pain and their issues cause them to go after you. Like most people don't even know themselves well enough to know that I'm irritated with this girl, not actually because of anything. It's because of what she represents that I feel I have issues with inside. Maybe someone hurt me that reminds me of her. Maybe I feel like I don't, I'm not going to get my raise because I haven't been pulling my weight. And this kid who's younger than me is working triple hours and she's going to outshine me. And I need to break her down right now. Or maybe, you know, it could be all these things. But a lot of times, even with friends, even with family, often you end up being the one who's in the firing line, but it's not actually about you. And that's what I would remind myself like, you're just the one taking the punch, but it doesn't mean you were the one who loaded the fist and you didn't, you're just there. And you yeah. represent something inside them that they're struggling with and that they're damaged about. And you're the one who's going Ooh. to have to you know, take it. So it's like, but having this knowledge has helped me handle like issues and respond like in work environments or in social environments, even. It's helped me respond like in an educated, self-controlled way. Mm-hmm. So like also now those people will likely expose themselves eventually. And the way you handled it will often gain you respect that far outweighs like the insult or the humiliation that you received from them, especially in the Totally. Workplace.
0: Yeah. Let them insult you. It's how you that. react
1: because they're not necessarily watching <laughs> that guy. He just said something messed up in a boardroom or a passing. Yeah. They're going to mm-hmm. see what you're going to say or how you're going to react. Yeah, And yeah. it's about patience. Again, this freaking word, patience, people will expose <laughs> themselves and you right. will be also yourself not letting
0: it. Yeah. And it's not letting it distract you, especially as a female in business, the odds are already stacked against us and people will try to say things to get in your way all the time. I mean, it happens to me being a female in sports or even, you know, working Mm -hmm. for football players and now NHL, not so much in where I work now, but you know, in my, in my previous positions, Mm -hmm. there are so many things that are said to me, but like, it's, you know, business isn't, isn't meant for anyone who isn't a, upper middle-class white male, right? No, it really you you have to, yeah.
1: Unfortunately, it's like I said the other day, she was like, you have to know your audience. Right. And it's like, you have to lead with respect. You can't cut them off. And Mm -hmm. even if you know the idea, but at the same time, remember Mm -hmm. that no is not the end of the conversation. That's something I always remind myself of. It's okay that I got a no today. It's partially telling me to either table it or go back to the drawing board But when those opportunity will come again, you just Mm -hmm. keep being consistent. And it's okay to say no, but you know what? I've also learned that that little thing that you said, because it was heard, is going to be in the back of that person's mind. And it may come back later or not. Or they may call on you when there's a crisis and be like, okay, we need a better idea. You remember you told me the other day you were thinking about something else. Now we have Now bring it. And he told you to go flush it down the toilet a week ago. You don't know what's yeah. going to happen. But like, I feel like if you feel strongly about something and it's on your heart and you know, it's either part of a bigger picture of things that are still developing, like your creativity is still coming out or it mm-hmm. is the big idea, but save your big idea. Maybe no one Ooh. will take it in your company, but maybe you're going to start your own company one day
0: and yeah, they're going to want to work for you. Yeah. You never know. I love that.
1: But no, and doesn't define you your- for sure. It's just, it's not the end of the conversation. It's not the end of the story.
0: I absolutely could not agree more. And just similarly, when you said your previous point, hurt people hurt other people. Yeah. No implies yeah. a lot of times is fear. Absolutely, people say absolutely, no absolutely. They know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Just, I'm so blown away by yeah. literally all your wisdom and knowledge that you've said so in sweet. the past 45 minutes. It's just, I'm so excited to have other people listen to this because I've been doing this conversation so much.
1: Yeah, and we all learn from each other. It's like I love listening to. Exactly that. The conversations to have with others, what you're doing is you're providing value because everyone gets an inside view. And what we want to do is we want to give you advice because that's why you might not have to struggle as much because someone else mm-hmm. figured it out. So there, we yeah. just give each other a leg up. We're like all climbing up a ladder and we're boosting each other up. So any yes, tip, Exactly. that's all. we just have to be confident enough to almost like hold our tongue and listen. And, mm-hmm. and, and you're going to get so much knowledge from the people around you in the weirdest scenarios, a guy on the bus, pay attention, listen to the, your grandma, pay attention. Everyone has something that could help you make your life easier and better,
0: you know? Totally. Oh, uh, oh my gosh. Well, I, I've enjoyed this conversation Thank you, so Ellen. much. Do you have any fi- final thoughts?
1: Final thoughts. Just, I would say just, we need to be re- remember how lucky we are to be alive in 2020 where You can start a podcast, you can do whatever you want. So have your job. But even if you can't like follow all your dreams in your career, doesn't mean your passions Mm -hmm. have to be let go. You can use Mm -hmm. them to, if you're an artist, you can paint pictures and donate them to homeless shelters so you can put art on their walls. You can do all Mm -hmm. these things with your different talents. If you wanna be a poet, then self publish a poetry book. Do whatever. You don't have to feel like all your dreams fall apart because it's not in your job and career. Use your creativity and your other things that are on your heart to add to the world in different ways or just curate a really beautiful Instagram because that's how you express your photo photography, whatever, you know, that's, I'm just saying we're lucky. We're lucky. We can have 50 websites. So
0: So do it. We can all be entrepreneurs. Yeah, But what people (laughs)
1: think of you is none of your business. So just do you and just be brave. I have to be brave every day. I have to give myself a pep talk. Woman, we don't care because the thing is by us being scared, I feel like Rachel Hollis said this actually, Like you being afraid is actually the most selfish thing because you're keeping your talent back from the rest of the world. So by you being too scared to give what you have on your heart or your skill or your knowledge, someone else Mm. needs that. And they're never going to get it because you're too afraid. And I have to tell myself that all the time too, because it's human nature to leave with fear. And instead we have to leave with service, like service over fear, expression over fear, like joy over fear. That's like the biggest thing.
0: Oh, just so good. You need to write a book. I said, it, I said it a lot two weeks ago. I'm saying again, you need to write a book. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you, Alice. Thank you, you gave me you my so homework. For being <laughs> yeah. I know, right? You can do it now. It's 2020. Yes. Um, <laughs> thank you so much.